You keep on saying since our time, but it's only a year ago since we came back from Narnia. And you want to make out that in one year, castles have fallen down and great forests have grown up and little trees we saw planted ourselves have turned into big old orchard? And goodness knows what else. It's just all impossible. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I am Kel. Thank you all for joining us today. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the fourth book in the series, Prince Caspian. But general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do tend to go on tangents into other stories that we like talking about. So we'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything that's just crazy spoilers. But today we're discussing Prince Caspian, Chapter 2, The Ancient Treasure House. Also known as like just the the treasury? Yeah, like. Really just your personal basement is kind of yeah. what it seems like. but it's Oh, you know, fun. whatever. Ancient treasure house. Sure. Like how we can't even be sure that this is their house. I mean, in after all this time, we realize it's not even a garden. It's a summary. And this summary, Chase, starts with the fact that the children are looking around and realizing, oh, it's not a garden at all. It's the courtyard of a castle that would have been abandoned ages ago. Like a long time, Chase. More than a year, some would say. But they wondered who might have lived in it. And Lucy said it gave her a strange feeling. I wonder what that's about. They explored into what was once a great hall, now with no roof and grown over with daisies. Peter said how they had once dined in a hall very similar to this. And they all reminisced about Care Paravel, their great castle by the great river of Narnia that uh, that they once ruled in. I wonder if that's going to come up. It was now getting closer to evening, and they scavenged for logs and sticks to build a fire on the dais of the great hall and ate apples for dinner. And after this, Susan went to get another drink from the well, but when she came back, her mood had changed. In her hands, she brought back a small golden chess piece, with uh, which Lucy exclaimed was just like the ones they used to play with at Care Paravel. Peter comforted Susan, who began to cry, and as she remembered the wonderful times they had had in their former life, uh, then Peter turned to tell them all that they needed to acknowledge the truth. They were in the ruins of Care Parabel, but Edmund argued, saying that there were trees growing up to the gates and no one had lived in this castle for hundreds of years, and there was no way it could be their home. Peter made the case that this hall was the same size and shape as theirs, and when it had a roof... Uh, you know, it, it probably that roof would have looked the same as well. And the well was in the same location there as used to be. And Susan had found a chess piece exactly like the one they had. And they had planted the beginnings of an orchard. And now there was an orchard. By Jove, I think this is Care Paravel. Edmund still struggled to believe them, saying they hadn't planted the orchard so close to the doors. And Care Paravel was on a peninsula, not an island. And they had been there only a year before, by his reckoning. Lucy said the only way to know this for sure was to be uh, was to have a door that goes down to the treasure room at the end of the chamber and would you know it there there was a spot covered with ivy now and you know they they could know for sure by clearing it away and they did and sure enough they found a door and even though it was locked away they tore out the rotting wood they took Edmund's flashlight and it led them down the steps and they counted the 16 stairs and everyone knows there's only 16 stairs in Care Paravel so this has got to be like that's how you know for sure this is absolutely care paravel 
They explored the treasure room at the bottom, picking up familiar things and remembering their times as kings and queens. They agreed they really needed to take the gifts they had received from Santa Claus, other than Edmund, because he was horrible, uh, back in the previous book to go and listen to our old, like, so if you don't remember that, you know, go listen to our old podcast to know what they mean, because Santa Claus, he exists, uh, but not for Edmund. Because like we said, Edmund used to suck. They found Lucy's diamond vial of healing cordial, uh, still half full. Peter's sword and shield and Susan's bow and arrows. Though she must have lost her magic horn when they were hunting the white stag and ended up back in England. They climbed the stairs again to save the flashlight battery and they fall asleep by the fire. <sighs> cool. Yeah. They find some stuff and, and have a- apples by the fire. Yeah, apples by the fire, treasury in the ancient treasure room. I mean, honestly, this wouldn't be a bad episode of Expedition Discovery. I'd watch it. Sure. You know, if this was like an archaeologist show, great. Yeah. But like, plot, Chase. I'm Josh Gates, and today on Expedition Discovery, we're exploring the mysteries of an ancient ruin rumored to be ruled by a magic lion and ancient children king. Child kings, Chase. Children king. <laughs> children king. You either got to have child king or children kings. There is only king if there are four children. Bingo. But, Chase, we uh, are, you know, from the the riveting last chapter uh, where, you know, lots happened. We come into chapter two where even slightly more happens. It It was more interesting than the first chapter was indeed uh, but chase this garden it's not even a garden it's a castle right must have been a courtyard you know and you can see where there used to be like a roof on this thing that's if you squint your eyes and you know turn around and then you know what go ahead and just close your eyes fully and imagine you could probably picture there being walls and a roof and uh you know tapestries and things like that if joanna Gaines was here she could make them see the potential of this place Let's put sure. a trip lap on this bad boy. Let's. Uh, yeah. This is a fixer upper. Yeah, if we just pull pull this stone I'm off, thinking. it'll expose the natural ship lap behind it, and then we can just paint that white. I'm and uh, if you've seen the new season of Fixer Upper, you know that we need to put a uh, an industrial window between the living room and the kitchen, just to I'm really thinking. open up the space and bring some yeah. light. I'm thinking Care Paravel open concept. That, it's, it's that's like really what. But no walls. It's kind of like a like a field. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what they find. They find a castle, but with no walls or ceilings. But it's clearly a castle chase because it's the same dimensions <laughs> with all of these no walls. <laughs> Isn't it weird that this room is exactly the same shape and design as my old room and it's has cool. the same carving on the wall and it's has cool. my picture hanging behind me? Do you not, uh, you know, measure your room by your footsteps and everything? Be like, wow, I bet this room is the exact same size as my 20 foot, three inch room, uh, you know, that like my 20 foot, three inch square bedroom, you know, that I have like, and it's all stone. Yeah. And, you know, Peter definitely probably wasn't measuring that when he was older than he is right now somehow. Yeah. He's older than he is now, but he's not but he is. Do you think that the kids ever deal with like crazy trauma when they return back to England where they're like, I was a king. (laughs) 
I fought in wars. No, I mean, had a war in 200 years, Grandpa. It's got to come up that you've lived an entire adult life. He, and he's a teenager. Or now a child. Like, think about Lucy, who's like, this is her first year going to school. She's like a, a first grader. No, to boarding school. Partner. Like, this is, boarding this is school. like, this is boarding school. I'm pretty sure this is like first year of theoretical, like middle school. I think she's younger than that. But either way, like, think of even first if it was middle like school. Years old, Chase. Yeah, Lucy's not old. But <laughs> that means she would have been like four or five in the previous one. That's she, not. She was like six or seven in the previous one. No, nah, I thought we agreed she was like eight or nine. And like Edmund was like a fifth grader. Okay, so think about like a 10 or 11 year old who has the mind of a 30 year old. <laughs> Like was gone to war, who has won wars. Can you imagine Peter talking to like his buddies and being like, "Sorry, I was uh, I was freaking out. I, I had a I had a nightmare about the war." And they're like, "Oh yeah, like World War II. Like yeah, it was scary." He's like, "No, nah, I stabbed a wolf." <laughs> oh, man, you won't. You wouldn't have believed those giants. Witch. Those giants in the north. They tried to come down at you with their big feet. They were going to step on you. They didn't even know you were there. And this is in Rumble Muffin. Sometimes I walk about big rocks and I get PTSD. (laughs) And they're like, what are you, what's wrong with you, Peter? They're in the hills. (laughs) They are the hills. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it, I would watch the spinoff series. Also, like, I guess it's good that they didn't have any like children or anything. They were there long enough. Do we know for sure that Peter like never got married or? To our knowledge, Peter and the other children never married and never had kids. Because that would complicate things. If this Neither was like a like show up. Nor on earth. I mean, it could be a Futurama where you show up and like your great, great grandchildren are older than you. This could be one of those situations, but I don't think it is because I don't think they ever found a suitor for anyone. Because like the white stag, you know, they're they're what thirty ish is what we agree what we agreed on. Uh, Probably about. It's been like four months, so it's kind of hard to remember. But yeah, the I think it I think they were like thirty ish around that point, and were they like none of them had been married or had kids yet. Is like that would have been real awkward. Can you imagine just like abandoning your wife and kids, like going back to Earth and being like, "My child," like you're. So I'm pretty sure they didn't have any kids or, or you know a spouse. Uh, that would have been that'd been rough. That's a weird you know plot point. So I'm pretty sure he just avoided that. Uh, but sequel way better. Uh, but you reference something that the kids are are beginning to learn that you know these crumbling walls that they're taking all these precise measurements of. They looked like they've been like deteriorating for ages, like hundreds yeah. of years. But really long time. Definitely not one year. But they give Lucy a strange feeling, Chase. Oh, so strange. Lucy, okay, let's move on. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Ignore that feeling and keep exploring what was once the Great Hall. Yeah. Uh, and then it's funny because Peter has this moment where he's like, don't you see? That's the day. Like he's pointing at like shrubs and like stones 
right now. And he's like, that's the dais where the high table was, where the king and the great lord sat. Anyone would think that you had forgotten that we once were ourselves kings and queens and sat on a dais just like that rock on that grass hill. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like an episode of Expedition Discovery at that point where they're like pointing at like just a small little like wrinkle in the ground and like, see, that's clearly where there was once a massive structure. It's like, if if you say so, bro, like it kind of looks like a rock to me, but. That rock looks like slightly bigger than that rock, so I guess so, but. uh, If you say that was once a staircase, sure. I don't know if there's 15 of them, but. Sure, but they go. Oh man, let's just pretend like we're in Caraparavel. Oh, it like this could be where the great hall where we had feasts were. And Edmund is like, yeah, but like there's no food. So like, and it's getting late. Like, did Edmund turn into Susan a little bit yeah. from? Where he's like, hold on. Always been the smartest one there, but yeah, they. I I like the let's build a fire in the middle of the living room move. Sure convenient that they have what are they to gonna, go, what are they going to do break the house chase <laughs> if we just uh pull this rotting wood off the wall we can set that on fire oh man so yeah they're they decide to like go and you know set up some shelter they're gonna you know find some food and you know get some firewood they split up into gendered teams to go and do these tasks the girls you know you go pick some apples because you know, of course, the girls will build, the boys will build the fire because men, uh, obviously, um, you know, got to make sure that the that the that the two groups are split up there. Uh, and, and you in know, case you've ever wondered whether roasted apples taste good if you don't have sugar, they don't. And they're also way too hot to eat with your fingers, Chase. It's almost like when you put something in a fire, you don't eat it with your hand. Mm, mm, that's you know that's an interesting thought it's an interesting point i'll take it into consideration but have you ever taken a hot pocket out of a microwave i have you're gonna pick it up and try to bite into it the second it comes out regardless of how much steam is coming off sure these apples are the same way you just gotta go for you gotta get them while they're hot does that also mean that these apples are like half molten lava and half ice cube it kind of sounds like it. It's it's real difficult. First of all, why just heat an apple? Like, what's wrong with just eating an apple raw? Like, they make it sound like it's like the like like they're about to throw up just eating an apple. It's an apple. If I've learned anything from the Legend of Zelda, it's that if you throw an apple into a fire, it turns into simmered fruit, and that gives you more health points than just the straight up apple. I guess. But also, like, apples, man. You're surrounded by hundreds of them. Just apples. eat an apple. I don't understand why this is, you know, that big of a deal that you need to write a whole paragraph about it. But whatever. Um, they, you know, they, they start <laughs> reminiscing. They start reminiscing about school suppers, you know, not being so bad. And they're like, oh, man, like, like he's, he's super British. And he's like, man, I wish I could just use a, I could use a good old thick slice of bread with some margarine on it. Um, that it's fine that really brings up the more important question of if you could have a school lunch right now what would be the school lunch that you would go back to have i don't miss 
school lunches, Chase. Uh, I mean, back in our day, school lunches, I say back in our day, like we're so old. Um, but back in our day, like we didn't have like very expansive like food sources. I don't know if like you were in uh, like one of those high schools that had like the crazy lunch sources. Ours were just kind of random lines that like it was like, hey, here's crappy pizza. Here's, yeah. you know, crappy tacos. Ours was always there was the pizza only line, and then there was the like the meal of the day line. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, go back to middle school and just we had some kind of crappy version of a McRib that I'm just like that weirdly specific, probably disgusting, probably not. Well, not real meat but when i think about school lunches that's where where my mind takes me oh that sounds terrible if i have to choose chase i'm gonna go the safe route and go pizza because every school lunch pizza is probably the same it's probably also the same as gas station pizza it's bread it's sauce it's cheese like it is what it is and in the state of texas that sauce is vegetable Correct. Yeah. It's, you know, 80% it's sugar. funny because it's true. Correct. But <laughs> Literally like, true. It's a thing where it's like, it's the safe option, you know, like, is it the best food that you'll eat at lunch? Probably not. There are probably better options, but it's probably also the least likely to give you diarrhea. So that's, that's what I'm going with. I mean, nothing like a lukewarm pizza and some soggy French fries and a, I'll take it, man. And a small carton of chocolate milk. Mm, give me a gulp of chocolate milk. That's all I need. Not a full glass. Uh, but so they, you know, they're reminiscing and then they're like, you know what? Actually, like the, the spirit of adventure is way better than school because no one wants to go to school because school sucks. Thanks, Professor Lewis, uh, for letting us know once again that you hate education. Yeah. For for a teacher, he really dunks on the school system a lot. A lot, way more than you would imagine. It's almost like he's doing anti-school propaganda. Like this is his stand-up. This is like if a teacher took up stand-up and it's all like, man, school, am I right? That sucks. I, Ever notice how so teachers you, this? Ha. Yeah. He's so they uh you know, dunks on education. Susan goes out to get a drink from the well and then comes back crying uh because she found a golden chess piece and chase. We used to have a golden chess piece. And it makes me sad because, you know, what if this chess piece was like our chess piece? But what I love most about it is that none of them other than Peter actually wonder whether or not it is their golden chess piece. It's just like, oh, wow, we had one just like this. Weren't those such wonderful times? Think yeah. about it. When we would play with these magical creatures and and our castle was so beautiful actually just about exactly the size but oh and the well over there was about in the same exact place but oh man what a wonderful time if we could only be back there yeah well chase you you mentioned peter you know being the one to react well it's because as he quotes and i'm going to make sure that i enunciate here he says he's jiggered he's very he's startled yes he's I, there's a J there. Want to make sure. Things, British words, not not great. Does not, it sound good? Into, I mean, this is like in uh, in Harry Potter when it, instead of snickering like laughing, it's sniggering. 
Yeah, you really, it's a word. There is an S on the front of that, and I apologize. Sure. It's a thing where it's like, there's nothing wrong with the word itself, but it sounds bad. You're just like, no, I I don't like that. Like, maybe just use a different word. But it's good that we have a bad taste in our mouth for the actual word that it sounds like, like that good cultural development that we are all like, Oh no, let's not even go near that. Um, I guess. Yeah. But But, yeah, not, not, not a word that you want to read to your child. Sure. But um, all that to say, Peter is starting to put two and two together and he's like, it's about time we started using our here brains. And they're like, what about Peter? Peter in the corner, like that meme with all the uh, the numbers and math going across, okay. just having realizations. Peter is like, we are like, he's like, this isn't just like Care Paravel. It is Care Paravel. Dun, dun, dun. And then Edmund. Edmund is going to be like, we know Edmund is the wise one here. Edmund is going to be asking some pretty fair questions, I think, where he's like, what do you mean by that? Like, this place has been ruined for ages. Like. It, no one has lived here for hundreds of years. And then Peter's like, I know that this is difficult to believe, but I have four points for you. And he, you know, pulls out his uh, extendable little metal uh, pointer, rips down a screen and a projector, throws up his PowerPoint and goes, point one, this hall is exactly the same size and shape as the hall at Care Paravel. Uh, just picture a roof and walls and everything um, and, you know, pavement instead of grass and tapestries and, you know, just, you know, use your imagination. But it's the same size, I promise you. Second point, the castle well is exactly where our castle well is, you know, a little south of the Great Hall. There's no way any other castle could have its well to the south of the castle. We're the ones who did that. Only us. Third point. Susan has just found a chess piece that's golden. We had golden chess pieces. No one else could ever have golden chess pieces. And fourth point, don't you remember that on the day that we, uh, you know, the day before the ambassadors from the the Callerman uh, kings and queens came, uh, that we planted this tree and, you know, those trees must have grown into an orchard now because they were blessed by uh, Lily Gloves, the chief mole. What more proof do you want, Chase? I mean, this is just confirmation that Narnia has mole people. Mole people. By Jove, you're right, Chase. In fact, we will see even more of them in the silver chair coming. This is true. On VHS. Old people. But so, uh, like, he gives his PowerPoint presentation. Lucy is like, bravo, you've convinced me. Edmund is like, well, hold on. Like, you know, everything's rotten. We didn't plant an orchard. We planted, like, a tree. uh, And, like... You know, we didn't plant them here. We planted them way over there. And, you know, Peter's like, yeah, they've just grown up to the gate since then. Uh, and then Edmund's like, Is but Care Paravel it? Yeah, oh, why not? Sure. And, and, and then Edmund's like, but Care Paravel wasn't on an island, Peter. And Peter's like, yeah, whatever. Peninsula, island, you know, what's the difference between just like a little th- like stream of line, uh, water that, you know, cuts through? I win. Uh, and then Edmund's like, well, hold on. Like, it's been hundreds of years and we've only been gone one year. Now, granted, Peter is right. Ultimately, this is Care Paravel. But also, Edmund's raising very great points that he is not considering. Where it's like, and they don't address the time thing at all. Yet. It, it really makes you wonder, like, if you showed up 
to like your place of residence 300 years from now 400 years from now sure would you be able to figure that out like would you be able to figure out that this is where you lived like think about like old west documentaries or like stuff like that where you go see like honestly not that long ago structures like 1800s and it's just like ruins and like shattered wood which like to be fair we have better building construction now like the the whole having building codes means that houses stand up better uh Mm -hmm. but i mean you kind of wonder like i'm sitting in my living room right now is my living room gonna be here 500 years from now like is the foundation even gonna be here like it's the foundation still exists we can rebuild (laughs) it's uh yeah, I mean, it's just one of those, tri- like, it is the interesting thing about this chapter is that C.S. Lewis makes us go down the road of, like, well, what would this look like if it had had the time to fall? Like, what if we left yeah. it to nature? Like, sure. think about those Instagram accounts where it's just, like, nature has taken over this warehouse and it's, like, yeah. trippy looking. Oh, yeah, it's super weird. But, Chase, there's only one way. To know if this is actually Care Paravelle. And that way, says Lucy, is that if this was really Care Paravelle, there'd be a door right over here. Let well, there's bushes. The wall. Oh. Sounds legit. So, something's like, oh, well, let's pull down this ivy. They rip all the ivy off of this wall. And when you know it, Chase, there's a door. And that door. It's locked. And Susan's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go to sleep. And like everyone is like, how dare you, Susan? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Honestly, like, I love you and stuff, but how dare you? <laughs> yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> uh, and it's so they like Susan just totally gets bombarded by everyone. And uh, like, Peter and Edmund are like ripping all of the ivy off with their knives until their like pocket knives break. Um, Edmund, you know, he yells great Scott because he's got to have a catch catchphrase too. Uh, and then they're like, you know what? Break the door down. The wood's rotten. It'll be firewood for us. Like what's, what's some more vandalism on this broken ruined castle? Who cares? And so they, you know, rip all the wood off uh, and, you know, they collect it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like, okay, cool. Like, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's make our way in there and like, you know, let's, let's explore. We've got to find a torch. And they're like, ah, there's not time for a torch. And then Edmund is like, oh, thank goodness. I have a flashlight, but they call it an electric torch because they're British chase. Mm, Yes. In case we forgot after the great Scots and by Joe's electric torch, which Mm -hmm. It's fine, I guess. Which, I mean, they're really concerned about these batteries. How long did 1950s batteries last? I'm assuming that they're like 100% uranium. I don't know anything about 1950s batteries, but there's just no way that these are like healthy, you know? I think a 1950s battery is a literal hamster in a wheel inside the battery. And whenever it's running, the light turns on. 
<laughs> as long as you just keep feeding it, you got a good, you got a good flashlight. Like it's fine. Um, but so they, they, you know, turn on Edmund's flashlight and uh, they make their way down the stairs and they're counting them because, you know, why wouldn't you? Yeah, everybody Luffy, knows, Kel, everybody. Everybody. That there are only 16 stairs down to the treasure room off of the Great Hall. This is Obviously. common knowledge, famously. We all talked about this. This has come up every single chapter of every book. This if you don't remember this. Walking yeah. through the woods. This if you is, don't remember this from our previous podcast, you should just listen to all of them again. Yeah, yeah. I That'll I, show I, us. I, I will pay you as much money as we have made off of this podcast. Yeah. If you can't go back and find the references to that 16 stairs, yeah. I, will, I will send you a letter, an envelope with all the money we've made off of this podcast. Which is technically an I, which is technically like we're requesting money from you because it costs money. Yeah. Yeah. About 14 bucks a month since we started. So do that math. I'm that. not sure. It, I'm sure it's hundreds of dollars by this point, but I'm not keeping track of it. But so they make their way down the steps and Lucy's like 16 steps. It's gotta be pick care Paravel. And everyone's like, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, that's correct. She's, right. she's right. You know, when she's right, she's right. And she is right, but she's also not right, you know? Yeah. But, like, whatever. So they go, they make their way into the treasure room, and they, ooh, and ah, because all of their stuff from when they were kings and queens of Narnia is there. The suits of armor and the gold and, you know, the treasures and the jewels and the necklaces and the rings and everything. And, you know, they're surrounded by all the things, uh, you know, so, like just chilling everywhere. Apparently, you know, Care Parafel may have been destroyed, but you know what wasn't? All of their treasure. You know what wasn't looted? This easily lootable room. Yeah, this room that everyone knew was the treasure room that well, was, the door was, was locked. locked, but like could easily have been broken down. In fact, they did it by hand. Hey, w- we may be looters, but we have standards. We don't break through locked doors. Oh yeah. God forbid that you uh you get through there to the treasure. This yeah. uh yeah, I mean, I guess great that it wasn't raided. I mean, what they were looking for, honestly, if you were a treasure hunter, you probably wouldn't have at the top of your list when you're surrounded by gold and jewels. But it's a Man. very Yeah, they very, like, uh, they took all the stone that was on the walls and they took the roof, but that's all they wanted. They didn't want, you know, gold and, you know, magical swords and bows and, you know, vials of healing solution that could heal any wound. You know, whatever. That stuff's meaningless. Yeah, if they uh, only knew that Santa Claus had given those... those blessed items. by Saint Nicholas himself. Uh, but so they, they make their way through the treasure room and they start reminiscing like, ooh, do you remember these are our coronation rings? Oh, do you remember this is the thing we won in that tournament? And this is the dwarf that, you know, make that this thing. And they're all remembering all the stuff. They're having a great time. Um, and Edmund's like, hey, we've only got so much hamster life in this battery. So let's make sure that we, you know, snip snap, like, let's get out of here. Like, you pretty know quick. anything about hamsters, they die quickly. They do. Their lifespan is not long, especially if you don't feed them. And they haven't <laughs> given them any rotten or heated apples uh so hamsters famously hate apples famously so they uh they decide to make their way 
Uh, and he's like, you know, let's just take what we need and get out. And, and they, you know, decide to go for their gifts. Uh, and this is where C.S. Lewis reminds us, hey, remember Santa Claus that he gave all of the kids gifts at Christmas? Well, not Edmund because he sucked and he was terrible. Uh, but you can read that about you can read about that in the other book that I wrote that you should go buy. Yeah, he he continues to plug his previous book, resting on his laurels. And uh, yeah, but all they get is the stuff that they're famous for. So Lucy has to have her magic diamond vial of healing potion. And then Susan has to have her bow and arrow. And what's this? Her horn is gone. It must have been oh, dropped. Or they disappeared out of time and space. And then... Uh and she turns and into have a sword and shield because he's a dude. Sure. Uh, Susan turns into, you know, Winnie the Pooh whenever she realizes that her horns are gone. She goes, oh, bother. And then is like, oh, I left it when we were hunting the stag. And then, yeah, Edmund gets none for Gretchen, Edmund. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Peter gets his sword and, you know, they, they're all super Radically pumped. holds it up to the light. It is my sword, Rindon. With it, I killed the wolf. And Peter is immediately high king again. It's great. Yeah. He's about to start speaking in King James. We can feel it. Oh, yeah. All, all the siblings are like, oh, yeah, wow, our brother's really cool. They're like, their their hands start shaking and they're going, thou, thy. Thouest. Thouest. You're the most thouest, chased. <laughs> Chase it, chase it, chase death, chase. But and then uh, so he he you know lifts his sword up and then they climb up the stairs and then they fall asleep. Yeah, because why? Why have anything happened in this chapter? C.S. Lewis does. He really needs to work on his whole like ending chapters thing. Yeah, he just he just stops. He's (laughs) just like and they fell asleep. It's always well. We're gonna walk into this other room now. Bye. Like, like remember, remember when he was ending all of his chapters on like on cliffhangers? That's better. That, it's better. They weren't always good cliffhangers, but was sure. that in Magician's Nephew or was that in Wardrobe? I think that might have been Magician's Nephew. Because uh, that would make more sense that he figured out the rhythm better. How to end a chapter. By the, seventh book in the, or the sixth book in the, the sixth out of seven books yeah because he writes the sixth out of seven he includes the magician's nephew basically so that you can know who diggory is before the last battle yeah it's it's fine it's okay we'll it we'll is. get to the we'll, next one we'll get there but yeah and we'll get there because this chapter's done chase he yeah. just ends not on the sword rising but on them walking upstairs and going to sleep. Like you end three seconds earlier and this chapter is better. Or the chapter is Kel, we have to think about the batteries in the electric torch. If we're not being mindful of the batteries, then we're not actually paying attention to the chapter. I mean, I'm barely paying attention to this chapter. I'm going to be real with you. I mean, fair, fair, fair. It's, It's easy to skim. This is why you pay us to read these books for you, audience. Hey, you get what you paid for, listeners. Ha! Uh, Joke's on you. 
Joke's on y'all. For Also, welcome to any new listeners on the new book. <laughs> we, we're glad that you joined us because, yay, listeners. <laughs> but well, if you made it to the end of the second chapter, then you're probably in it anyways. <laughs> yeah. If you jumped in, we if you jumped in at chapter two of book four, please let us know because yeah. we're glad that you're here. Yeah, just just drop a DM at Chronicles of Podcast on Instagram. It's uh, we'd love to know where did you start? Did you go to the beginning? Did you jump in at Witch in the Wardrobe? Did you just decide? You know what? I want some Prince Caspian. Yeah, it, let us know. I mean, this is one of those books that people recognize the title of, so I wouldn't be surprised if we had new listeners on the last podcast. But it is really funny to like look at our podcast statistics and see like chapter one of Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, which is like our like 16th or 17th actual podcast, has like like 10 times more listens than any other. And then people realized, wow, these guys are, they're, they're whatever. Well, maybe this isn't for me, which is fair. <laughs> it's their own. Uh, Chase, you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? Uh, I don't think so. Just ready to fall asleep by the fire, you know? Me too, man. Well, as you, uh, uh, you know, get some apples, you turn your flashlight off. Let me, uh, let me dive further up and further in real quick. Uh, my further up and further in is the consequences of absence. Uh, now, generally, this is not like what I do enjoy about this is that this is generally not a trope that you get to see in fiction and fantasy. You get to like have it, you know, teased out a little bit. Sometimes you get to see it on like small scales where it's like, where have you been? You know, these people attacked while you were gone. Uh, but this is a really interesting case of like, hey, the heroes were gone for hundreds of years. There's obviously going to be consequences. You left Narnia in an unstable position. Where are the kings and queens? They disappeared. They didn't have kids. They didn't have anyone to succeed them. Uh, what happens to them afterwards? Well, Narnia falls into chaos because Aslan comes and goes as he pleases because he's not a tame lion. Uh, and you see the destruction and the deterioration of Care Paravel. What happened? We don't know. Uh, but it's this interesting trope and this interesting piece of uh, of writing that you really don't get to see very often. You get to see, you know, the benefit of what happens uh, when someone returns or when someone joins. The best thing that I can think of uh, if, is if you, you know, rewind your clocks to 1994 with me and, you know, watch Lion King uh, in, in, you know, as it, as it returns. And you have uh, Simba running off into the wilderness with Timon and Pumbaa and Scar and the hyenas take over. And what happens to Pride Rock in the surrounding areas? <laughs> Bunch of garbage. All of the food is gone. All the animals have left. The grass is withering. Fires are everywhere. You know, why is it on fire? We don't know. But there's a poisonous swamp, probably. Who knows? But Pride Rock is, you know, all deteriorated. And what happens when Simba returns? He roars and everything comes back to life. All of the animals suddenly return. And, you know, it's great. Uh, the circle of life can continue uh, because Scar somehow impeded the circle of life. Um, and, you know, life is good. But you see the consequences of absence uh, in this story. That sound was a toy being dropped by my dog. Um, for my further upper and further in, uh, I wanted to just talk about the 
uh, Return of the Hero. So kind of this kind of sequel trope of, of coming back to find things worse than you thought. Uh, I mean, really the way that sequels tend to work is you return to the world that you previously saved to find that it wasn't quite as saved as you thought it was. Um, this is actually one of the things that I think Marvel plays with really well. Uh, how does the world go on after these big hero events? Like what legislation has to happen? What infighting occurs? What new villains arise in the wreckage of the hero's triumph? Um, it is it is an interesting idea. And I think the concept that C.S. Lewis plays with here is really interesting. The, uh, the idea that you come back to Narnia and because time goes on at a different pace than in our normal world, because, I mean, obviously, if you were there for like 30 years and no time at all passed, then if you're back for a year, then a bunch of time passed in Narnia. Like, I don't know if that's even... I don't know if he ever establishes that the timelines really make any sense, but either way, like it is interesting to think like, well, I mean, if, if they left for a year, then yeah, time would have gone on a long time. And how does that affect the world? So it, it's an interesting idea to play with in, in a series that has this kind of time difference built into it. Um, but yeah, all of the, the wreckage of the previous triumph is is a place for is a good setup for the hero's return and reckoning with their unknown mistakes and new bad guys or good guys or or just challenges that come out of it and as we'll see with prince caspian and and his people who i guess there's more humans in narnia now i don't know how this works but yeah it'll uh, it'll be an interesting book It'll it'll all be uphill from here, hopefully. Yeah, sure. But just in case, you know, this podcast turns into rubble and, you know, uh, deteriorates over the next few minutes. Chase, can you tell our podcast listeners where they can find, rate, and review us? Yeah, if you if you want to walk down the 16 stairs, leave us 16-star reviews on, uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Audible, really anywhere you get your podcasts, if you want us to leave or if you want to leave us, if you anyway, want us to leave, just let us know. <laughs> Friends, listeners, if you want us to leave, make sure you let us know with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That'll tell us. That'll, that'll show us. If you really want to grind our gears, let us know that it's about time to hang up our hats. Uh, go ahead and, and go to our uh, Instagram account at Chronicles of Podcast, where you can let us know how much you despise us. How yeah. much you really want us to just get the heck out of here? Yeah. Why don't you just go back and sleep by the fire instead of instead of recording this podcast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Chase, meantime, let's go save some battery on these flashlights that we call laptops uh, and or torches or uh, you know visual torches as we as we call them. Uh, you know, let's let's shut these bad boys down to save some battery and uh, and when we wake up, there will be a new podcast. Luna loves like ripping like anything stuffed. She just rips it and then like eat, tries eating the fluff. And so then we've got to like throw all the fluff away. And then she'll get to whatever's inside of it, like if it's a squeaker or whatever. And then she just like sits there, like like it. She's more or less like um, 
like a, an old Western cowboy, like chewing on a piece of grass, but it's her squeaky toy. Like, it's like, golly, Luna. And she'll do it. Like we'll be like watching a movie or something. And you'll just hear like, it's like, ah. it'll be the darkest, most emotional part of the movies. <laughs> if I just take it and put it on the back of the couch and she'll try to like scoop up there. I'm like, nope, you will not. 